Welcome to The Nine Line, your news and information source for healthcare-related issues impacting Southern Nevada veterans, and a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. And now, here's your host, Joshua Gray. Hi, and welcome to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, and today we're, we're taking a break. We're not talking healthcare so much. Uh, we're going to be talking about maintenance and facilities and, and engineering, like some of this some of this stuff that you don't really think that goes on during uh, or that goes on here in a hospital. So joining me today, I have Jonathan Sanchez. He's our chief of engineering. I have Blair Santa Maria. He's our power plant maintenance supervisor. And I have Daniel White. He is our maintenance supervisor. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. Thank, thank you. you. So when I think about hospitals, I don't really think about power plants or, or engineering services or, or anything about that. So, so each of you, if you could, tell me a little bit about engineering as a whole and then what each of you are responsible for here, here at uh, the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. Sure. Uh, so engineering as a whole in the hospital setting, uh, we're pretty much charged with maintaining the facility and ensuring that we have an efficient, effective an appropriate environment of care so we could uh, provide care to our patients. So keep the lights on, HVAC, med gases, everything you think utilities or infrastructure wise, that's what engineering does. Okay, and, and Blair, what do, you, what, what do you do here as the, the power plant maintenance supervisor? Well, we have uh, two crews of, over there. Um, one is the utility systems operator who maintains the watch 24 seven and we have the maintenance crew that maintains all the equipments in that area and we're located in the east uh, side of the property and our area of responsibilities are um, for one um, the boilers we have three 750 horsepower boilers that provide steam to the medical center for the kitchen equipments the clean steam generators and uh, hot water and heating for the facility then we have the chiller room, which has um, six or five uh, 1,300 ton um, chillers, train chillers, that provides the chill water and cooling for the medical center. Then in building three, we have six uh, two megawatt generators that provides all the emergency power supply for the medical center. And the other thing that we deal with is the medical gas system, the medical air, um, medical vacuum, and bulk oxygen. So we have a crew that uh, monitors 24-7 the operations of all of those uh, equipment, as well as uh, we have a crew uh, mainly on the day shift that uh, service and maintains all of those equipment supporting the medical center. And there's something I want to get back to when, when we do that, but we'll go ahead and, and jump over here to Daniel real quick. So Daniel, tell me a little bit about what your piece is here with uh, uh, engineering and, and keeping this facility running. My piece is on on the main hospital side, all the, in the uh, buildings other than the power plant. Okay, we maintained uh, heating, the hot water. Uh, we got six mechanical rooms that are in the basements that have all this, all the heat exchangers and all the equipment that provides heat to the building, heating hot water, um, humidity for the operating rooms, and that's what the that's what the steam does for us. 
Okay. Uh, so, Jonathan, how many how many folks are involved in this? I mean, I, you, you see, you walk around here and you see doctors, nurses, folks like that all the right. time. How many folks are really working behind the scenes to keep this place going? Currently, at the moment, we have a North Chart approval of 169. Uh, we're not quite there yet. Uh, we're slowly but getting there. So I'm thinking about 84 FTEs. What? engineering maintains at the moment. Okay, uh, and Blair, you know, you're, you're talking about all of this stuff, you're talking about people on watch at the power plant, right? I've been over there before and it's kind of neat. It's like this Star Wars room and everything. Tell me a little bit about the, how you monitor and, and what all of that stuff is and, and how you keep an eye on all of this stuff. Well, the, the basic uh, uh, controls that we have there is a Johnson control, the medicine system. It's a building management system that controls the environment uh, for cooling as well as heating as well as monitoring all the equipments and rooms that are critical to the mission of the, the medical center. Uh, it will also identify alarms when systems go down and that's where our operators uh, take actions and call um, maintenance or departments to um, to resolve any of those issues. We also um, are there to receive calls for medical staff or customers should there be any incident that needs uh, engineering to resolve. And we provide the response with um, uh, maintenance or EMS as well as uh, um, VA police should there be assistance on those departments as well. Okay. Uh, you know, it seems like there's always some kind of construction going on here, right? There's, you know, we, we've had the, the project to redo all of the info desks, and now we're doing parking lot stuff, and right. it, it always seems like there's something going on. So uh, tell me if you could uh, a little bit about how that happens, right? Because we're not like the military. We don't have, you know, our own civil engineers here that, that do our own construction. So uh, walk me through that process of how some of this construction actually happens, because I'm, I'm assuming that's what you also oversee, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, engineering is in charge of construction and projects through the facility. So the capital investment piece. Uh, so it's a long process. Uh, typically takes anywhere from three to five years. It all starts with an idea or a thought, right? Uh, what we call a napkin sketch, per se. Uh, we put that plan. Uh, what we're trying to implement is uh, we got to fortify the business case and the action plan. So we have a big system, big VA, uh, we put that into skip. So we put in the business case, case, which is pretty much justifying the reason or the need for that project. What gaps is it going to fill? We need X amount of space. Uh, is utilization required? So all things to consider. Uh, that goes into the skip, it gets scored, and then we get funding projected for obligated for X, Y year. Uh, typically, we're operating on a three to five year plan. What do I mean by that? Uh, right now, being in 2022, we're already working for the 2025 plan of project execution. So as you mentioned, parking lot, of course, we, as an engineering, uh, we come together as a team and try to analyze the infrastructure piece. What needs uptake? What needs to be redone? Uh, what areas need improvement? And unfortunately, sometimes it becomes very competing because there is competing priorities that we got to assess and really consider what are we going to do A or are we going to do B. And it's just a matter of funding or what becomes available. So uh, long process. 
I wish it could just be turnkey and just ready to go, but uh, there's a lot of processes that we have to get or implement before we get there. So once those projects start and, and they get underway, yeah. do you then manage it? Like, how, how does that work? Is it... Um, take the parking lot that they're doing, for instance. Right. You know, they come out here, they start construction. Do you, are you constantly involved with that contractor that's doing that, or is it just like they show up, they do the work, you check it out, and then you're good? Like, no. how, how does that work? So our project engineers are also cores and project managers. Uh, they work hand in hand with contracting and uh, the contractor, so they're pretty much the boots on the grounds, uh, the eyes to the contractor to ensure and enforce that they maintain the VA till requirements, their standards, their specs everything else so a typical project will go three different phases sometimes from a study to a design to then construction and then a close out okay does it ever get frustrating i guess dealing with folks where like you tell people we're going to do this construction project and then you know you get the approval for it and then there's some time while you find the contractors and everything and then surprise it's here and people like wait you're doing i didn't know you were doing this now does that does that how does that uh, you know how do you guys how do you guys deal with that where (laughs) people are like well you just dropped this on me all of a sudden like (laughs) It, it, it gets frustrating it does uh Typical thing, you like to see it back to back to back to back. Unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't work that way. What do I mean by that? We could do the study or the design for a project. It sits on the shelf until we get the funding available for construction. That could be three to five years down the road. By that time, technology has changed tremendously. So <laughs> now we got to put that back in and you're already old, pretty much. It's This is out of date. What do you got to do? So a lot of contract modifications have to be placed. You got to send that back to contracting, do a change order, do a modification, even prior to even starting. So then that takes a lot of time. Uh, we're struggling right now with uh, the utility loop. I mean, it's, it's a, we need infrastructure. We need to build out, but there's just so many policies and stuff that you got to straighten out first before we execute I mean, we want these buildings to go up. I mean, we want to start developing here, but unfortunately, there's steps that you got to encounter and complete prior to getting there. Okay. Um, so, a question for all three of you, um, and, and Daniel, I'll kind of start with you on this one. Um, tell me a little bit how how COVID impacted your respective sections, and, mm-hmm. and, and Daniel, I want to start with you first because I know that as soon as COVID hit, there were a bunch of modifications we had to make here, and and that's primarily your folks who are going through this main side of the hospital doing those things. Correct. So, so how what was COVID like for you guys? Like we talked to doctors and nurses all the time we get their perspective from an engineering perspective what what was COVID like well it was a lot of jumping through hoops pretty much I mean we would get a notification for instance towards the end of the day they need to have they want plastic up over here they want this section isolated uh, they want air exchanges uh, altered and that type of thing and then as COVID went on, we would have employees in the uh, maintenance section go out on COVID, so I would cut our staffing down, and it, it was it was kind of uh, run and go type of situation most of the time. A lot of flexibility yep. needed, yes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Blair, like your guys, you're you're kind of separated from everything over there. You're you're off. In, I, I don't want to say like you're off in your own little world, right? But I mean, you're the the power plant is physically 
not co-located, you know, with the building, the main building itself. You're across the road. You're over over the way. Uh, how did how did COVID affect your your daily operations over there? True, we were far away, but for the most part, we actually were engaged. We put up the tents over at the ED, um, and put it up multiple times, relocated multiple times, um, just to provide support in screening the COVID patients coming into the. Um, uh, uh, ER area to include there were testing sites that we brought up next to building five as well as um, in the new parking area where we put up those blue tents which had um, uh, negative pressure capabilities in providing safe environment um, in containing um, any um, COVID or infectious disease in the, in those areas and those were um, needed just to support uh, um, should it be testing or screening and, and we were there for most of that part and our crew was um, p putting up infrastructures just to support all those requirements that the medical center needed. Okay, and, and then Jonathan, you know, from the from the top level view, you know, what kind of flex? You know, we heard a little bit about some of the flexibility. You know, from a leadership perspective, what's some of that flexibility that's needed when you're you're in now in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, well, I mean, like we all know, it it was chaos. It was chaotic. I mean, and during a difficult times, trying to maintain posture, trying to maintain a positive attitude. I mean, trying to inflict and 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 lead uh, and trying to say, hey, we got this. We we you know, will overcome. It was difficult. Uh, a lot of changes happened. I remember when we got the call, hey, we got patient zero. What are we gonna do? We gotta start tracing. They stood up instant command. Okay, first direction was we need to isolate. So team got together. They went into um, system bypass. Uh, we got rid of the recirculating air throughout the hospital for patients uh, up on fifth and sixth floor putting the tents up it was it was a demanding situation uh flexibility was great uh thankful for the team that we have i mean the the mission was veterans right uh how to keep the veterans safe how to keep patients safe and how do we keep ourselves safe i mean they're going in there to this big air handler units maintaining changing filters uh there's a leaky toilet we're not clinical, so we still have to gown up because mm -hmm. we got to go and maintain. Uh, but there's still uh, precautionary measures that we still have to do. And it, it was different to a way that we all got challenged, but I think it was, it was, I was glad to see how the team came together and overcame and uh, we were successfully able to manage in some and, sort. And, and COVID wasn't exactly, it wasn't an overnight thing, right? right. We, we had a little bit of warning that it was coming. So uh, tell me a little bit about how important planning was to this in, in pyre, entire process. It changed on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, the needs came in and we did our best to respond. Unfortunately, it was not only the U.S. or it was not only Nevada per se that was having that issue. So. Definitely a difficult or an obstacle where we had to plan change shortages throughout everywhere. Um, we were fortunate enough when we did reach out to get those med medical tents that, you know, we placed the order and said, hey, we need those ASAP. So they were able to secure some on the side. But their response was, well, you're not the only one that's asking for these. I mean, you got the money, you got the price to pay, then sure. And of course, you know, work together as a team with clinical folks, a fiscal side, uh, leadership. Hey, we need this, like, right now. 
and uh, it was stressful at times like I need this I need this but so does everybody else and why is your request higher or more important than the other side or the East Coast or the West Coast per se and it just came you know we we had our own little incident command too where we were tracking tracing um, matrix tracer okay who has this responsibility who has this charge I mean we had to cross our T's and dot our I's at that point gotcha all right well we're gonna go take a quick break here and then we'll be back with more with our engineering folks right after this you're listening to the nine line a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare system we'll be back with more right after this getting a flu shot helps us stay healthy so we don't miss out on what matters like that family movie night your daughter can't live without Yeah, can't do that. Every year, millions of people in the U.S. get the flu. Especially now, no one has time to miss out on moments that matter. So get your flu shot. Find out more at getmyflushot.org. Brought to you by the AMA, CDC, and the Ad Council. This is the story of a very special woman. Just a few knew about her superpowers. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Nine Line, Southern Nevada's source for veteran-related healthcare news and information. Here's your host, Joshua Gray. Hi, welcome back to the Nine Line Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Gray, and today we've got uh, our engineering folks, Jonathan, Blair, and Daniel. Gentlemen, thanks again for joining us. So one thing that that I'm kind of curious about is, you know, kind of the same with our, our medical staff here. Like, we're not the only hospital in town that any medical staff could work at. There's plenty there's engineering things that go on everywhere you can you know work for the city work for the state work for any no, any of the casinos downtown any of those things so you know what makes this place the place for for each of you individually and we'll, we'll Blair we'll start with you well it started in 2010 um, about a year and a half before I was to retire from active duty uh, my wife and I were from Hawaii and we decided to retire in Las Vegas so and that that summer we came here from Portugal to buy a house so we can establish so uh, as the realtor brought us to 215 the 15 and to Aliante we we saw this building on this on the side that was being constructed and we asked her um, what's that and she says it's the new VA facility so like okay so I told my wife I think I'm going to work over there. It 
So I tried. Uh, I applied three times, um, and in 2000, the end of 2010, we were actually assigned here in on Nellis. I had to do a year before I re officially retired, but during that time, I applied three times, and uh, fortunately, I was able to get on on the third try and. I'm doing similar to what I've been doing in, on active duty with the Civil Engineering Squadron on Nellis, um, overseeing uh, infrastructure of uh, elect electrical distribution, um, uh, HVAC, as well as um, construction. Um, so it's kind of just something that I've been doing and familiar with and enjoy doing it. Okay. Daniel, how about yourself? Well, I was—I had already had uh, 18 years invested in the civil service in engineering, and I was going to transfer out of the federal prison system, and I put in for uh, positions out here in Vegas, and just so happened that the VA is one that picked me up. Awesome, Jonathan. Well, you know, I think we're all here for the mission, right? I mean, we care about the veterans. Uh, I did not have the opportunity to serve. Uh, I wanted to, it just it wasn't working out at the time when I got out of school. But I think uh, I care about the mission. I like the I care values. They hit uh, hard and near to my heart, family members and stuff like that. And uh, just like this gentleman here too, I was already part of federal service. Uh, was working at the dam actually. And I saw an opportunity and I'm like, sure, it's uh, closer to home. Uh, let's give it a try. So I came in. I came in as a project engineer. I worked on a couple of the projects that are being constructed now. I had the opportunity to help and construct Perump. Um, and then the opportunity came open to be the deputy chief and the chief engineer. So I'm thankful and grateful to be here. And, you know, that you mentioned Perump. You know, we, we've talked a lot here about what we do just kind of here locally in this building. Uh, what's your guys' involvement in our in our community care or uh, our PCCs and, and places like Perump and Laughlin, especially when you're talking about, like, a leased building, right? Like right. it's out in, I believe the building out in Pahrump is a, a leased building, correct? correct. So, yes. you know, if the if the air conditioning fails out there, then mm -hmm. how, what is, what what's the fix, right? <laughs> So it's a process. Uh, Dan here, it's, it's actually the core for the lease facilities. Uh, we maintain uh, the PCCs, Laughlin and Pahrump. Uh, the difficult thing though is it's those are managed by the property manager. So it's, it's on contract, it's a lease. So we have to give them the opportunity first to respond. Sometimes that takes time. They're trying and through contracting they are enforcing and they are following protocol, but they too are facing the shortages that we see. So being a lease facility is not our building, but we still oversee it in a way that we got to ensure compliance and standards within VA specs and standards. Uh, Dan? Yeah, well, I'm like, like John mentioned, I'm the core of the leases and I communicate between the property managers and contracting and I communicate with the property managers uh, the leases are a full-service lease, so the uh, property manager and lessor have contracts with maintenance folks 
air conditioning companies, so forth and so on. And like John alluded to, sometimes it takes a little bit of talking to them. Sometimes it takes some patience because their contractors also have other contracts throughout the valley. So are you then liaising with those contractors? Like, like for me, I'm, I'm a very impatient person. I, I, I would never, I'd be like, okay, we're going to get an air conditioner and we're going to go in there and we're going to install it ourselves, right? Like, that'd be very hard for me not to do. Like, I, 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 what does it take to have that kind of patience? Like, it, <laughs> Some, sometimes, sometimes you run out of patience, you know. I've ha- I have had some heated discussions with the lessor, but... I mean, that's their building, that's their equipment. It's it's the type of situation where you got to let them handle it. I I can't send my guys in there to take care of it because as soon as we touch it, we own it right. type of thing. Sure, yeah. All right, so um, one last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, there's a special week coming up for you guys here. Um, Jonathan, you want to tell me, tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So it's the last week of October. Usually we uh, recognize Healthcare Engineering Week. Uh, it's a moment to recognize both men and women of the service that, you know, do, I call it the behind the scenes. Uh, typically we go in sometimes unnoticed and we get things done. And it's just to take a moment to recognize them. So if, if you would, I mean, engineers and facility folks are a different bunch of people <laughs> when I say maybe. Uh, but if you take a time just to say simple thank you, I'm sure it, it will go a long way. Uh, we do some recognition. Uh, we're planning different events this year, probably put a table and booth, pass out information, just to get people familiar with what we do, right? More of what we just talked and converse about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe do a little get together with the service and say, hey, thank you for a successful year. We've been through some hard times, but you know, we've been successful. Well, I know, I know I'm really appreciative of, of what you guys do, you know, Thank you. coming in here, you know, all, all of our offices kind of face to the, to the south and, and to the, to the, to the east. So it gets kind of warm in here. Yep. So, you know, having air conditioning and, and all that stuff, it's, it's really great. Even, even if it stays on a week or two too long and you got to wear a sweater to work. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still, still, still a fan of you guys. Well, thanks for joining us. For, for this discussion, this very enlightening. See what I did there? Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was great having you guys here and, and, and learning about some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on here at the hospital. So I want to thank uh, Jonathan Sanchez, our chief of engineering, Blair Santa Maria, our power plant maintenance supervisor, and Daniel White, our maintenance supervisor. I'm Joshua Gray. This has been The Nine Line, and we'll see you in two weeks. You've been listening to The Nine Line, a production of the VA Southern Nevada Healthcare System. For more information about what the VA is doing for Nevada's veterans, check out our official webpage at www.lasvegas.va.gov or follow us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash lasvegasva. Thanks for listening. <laughs>